This is the Rock Show episode 113, and today we're talking about guitar legend uh, Jeff Beck, another alumni from uh, the Yardbirds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you think about the three guitarists that play in the Yardbirds. You had Jeff Beck, you had Eric Clapton, and you had Jimmy Page. So that that band themselves, I mean, it was pivotal. That was like the, what's the what's that like the uh, college for for, for musicians? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was definitely one class, you know, where they where they all played. I mean, Clapton left early. Uh, there was one point only for a couple of months where where Beck and Page were actually together in the band. So that's pretty cool. But you know, Jeff Beck. Uh, let me ask you, how familiar are you with his music? I heard some of his music, but I probably, you know, because he played by himself for a while. He has a few records, right? Like in 1976, he had a solo album, but he played like jazz. He was very all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, he's he's had albums going into the 2000s, but uh, a lot of his stuff is instrumental. Yeah. Okay. And uh, he is very sporadic with his recordings. He doesn't come out with an album every year. It, it's sometimes years in between. Uh, in the 70s, he was pretty prolific. In the 80s, uh, he, he you know, released a lot of music. In the 90s, he released a lot of music. Um, he's an interesting guy. Uh, you know, I, I have to admit that I probably only like myself, maybe about 50% of his music. Yeah, uh, He's a tough pill to swallow especially when it gets into some of the jazz fusion stuff that that he really was into in the 70s uh but you know if you sit down and you listen to the guy even if you know jazz for instance is not your thing if you sit down and you listen to him the talent on this guy is unbelievable unbelievable Dude, let me ask you did he just release a record with Johnny Depp? Yeah. Is that the yeah, Johnny uh, Depp? It was I a, saw that, I'm like, the, the Johnny Depp, the actor, okay. Uh, he released something last year. He did a cover of John Lennon's Isolation. It was just a single. Okay. And I think they're supposed to collaborate. You know, Depp's been doing music, too, for the last, like, 15, 20 years. He's had various. He even played, I think, with... Uh, he played with uh, the Hollywood Vampires, right? Which was which was like Alice Cooper and a couple other people. He had a band with them, yeah, uh, with different actors and stuff. He's done bands, so he he plays guitar. He's pretty good, but his his collaboration with with Beck, uh, he, they did isolation because of COVID. Okay, the that you know everybody's isolated, so yeah. they, they felt it was it was a song to do. 
But, um, you know, Jeff Beck's an interesting guy. He's, he's a tough guy to, to work with. He's a perfectionist. He's known for having a short fuse. Um, but he's also a funny guy. Okay. He, he can crack a joke. He can make you laugh. Uh, but the talent on him is just unreal. Yep. And, and he's one of these guys that really one of the, I could probably count on one hand who actually changed his own style. Okay. He started off up until about the 1980s, uh, always using a flat pick when he would play a regular pick. But what he got into was finger picking. Okay. And he no longer uses a pick. He uses his fingertips or there's some, there's a, there's a finger pick. It's like a ring that you could put around your fingers yeah. to pick the, to pick the strings. And that is how he plays. And that is some like intricate, difficult guitar playing. And what, you know, one thing he's known for is his, his tone. Okay. And I'm not, uh, yeah, I can play guitar very little. I'm not a, a, a big musician or anything, but what I know is that his tone and the way he uses tone in his guitar playing is unique to him. Some of his guitar work, you wouldn't even know is a guitar. It sounds like something else. Sounds, he's got stuff that he can make a guitar sound like a human voice. Yeah. You know, and it's really, uh, you know, like I said, he's a, he's a tough pill to swallow because his music can be all over the place. But let's start at the beginning. Okay, um, he was born hey, Jeffrey what, let me Arnold ask you Beck. Before, was yeah. he as difficult sure. to work like Captain Beefheart? Because Captain Beefheart was a difficult guy to work with. Both were perfectionists. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, but both. Well, well, Beefheart passed away. Beck's still with yeah. us, but but uh, yeah, I mean, perfectionists, absolutely in that aspect. Yeah, I would say so. All right, so let's go you to know, the beginning then. Yeah. The very beginning, June 24th, 1944, Mr. Jeffrey Arnold Beck was born. Uh, his parents were Arnold and Ethel Beck, and he was born in Wallington, England. Now, as a 10-year-old boy, he was interested in music, and he sang in the church choir. But one day, he was listening as a child. He was listening to the, uh, to the radio, and he heard a guy play. His name was Les Paul, mm -hmm. and he was playing an electric guitar. Uh, it was a song called How High the Moon. Now, he's on record saying that he asked his mother, you know, what is that sound coming out of the radio? He'd never heard an electric guitar before. No, he was fascinated okay. by them. Yeah, yeah. And his mother said, well, that's an electric guitar. It's all tricks and electronics to get that sound. And, you know, when he heard that, he said, that's for him. He knew it was for him. He had to learn how to play that thing. Uh, <clears throat> he quickly became a fan of uh, Gene Vincent. Uh, the band was called Gene Vincent and the Blue Caps. He followed B.B. King, uh, a guitar player named Steve Cropper. Uh, Cropper is an interesting guy. Um, he was a Stax musician, Stax Records. He played for Booker T and the MGs, Okay. Uh, which was like the Stax house band. And he also uh, <clears throat> also did some producing as well. 
Excuse me, yeah. my throat is a little dry. <clears throat> we just did another show right before this, right? Yeah, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, as a teenager, he was known to make his own guitars. He would use a cigar box or two cigar boxes and put them together. They were made out of wood. Uh, he would use a, a picket fence, a piece of a picket fence as the neck. And he used to paint on the frets. Wow. And he would use like any kind of string, metal string that he could to, to make his own guitars. Uh, in 1962, while attending the Wimbledon College of Art, Beck was playing in a succession of bands at that point. Uh, and he also started off playing with Screaming Lord Such. Yeah, I didn't okay, he was in, with Yeah, yeah, he goes back that far. Uh, he recorded on the single Dracula's Daughter for Oriole Records for Screaming Lord Such. Uh, it was actually called Screaming Lord Such and the Savages. Mm-hmm. Um, in 63, he was friends with Ian Stewart, who was the piano player in the Stones. Uh, Ian introduced him to R&B, and it, everything took off from that point. Uh, he formed a band called The Night Shift, yep. and they often played the 100 Club, which is a very popular club. Yep. Uh, he recorded a single called Stormy Monday for the Piccadilly label. Uh, he joined a band that year called The Rumbles. They were from Croydon. Um, for a short period, uh, he was lead guitarist and, and they mostly did covers. They did a lot of Gene Vincent and Buddy Holly songs. And one thing that Beck discovered he could do is he could emulate or copy, uh, a lot of people's styles when he heard them. He had a knack to do that. In other words, he could play like Buddy Holly could play like Gene Vincent. You couldn't tell the difference. Okay. Uh, he also played in 1963 with a band called the Tridents. Um, what they were, were uh, uh, more of a blues, Jimmy Reed style of blues uh, with a little rock and roll thrown in. Uh, Jeff really liked playing that kind of stuff. Uh, he also did some session guitar work for the Parlophone label, uh, assisting a band called Fits and Starts on their single called I'm Not Running Away. Now, in March of 65, fate would come calling and uh, he would join the Yardbirds. Okay. How this went down, and we went into this in a lot of detail in our Yardbirds episode, um, Eric Clapton was leaving the band. Yeah. Eric Clapton uh, was a founding member of the Yardbirds. Uh, he left the band because of the single For Your Love. He felt it was too poppy. He thought they were going in a direction he didn't want to go. I think there were one or two other things involved in that, but that was one of the main reasons given why he left. Um, They needed to find somebody else, and they wanted Jimmy Page. Uh, Jimmy Page at that time was doing a lot of session work in studios. He was well-known as a great guitar player, but he really wasn't available to, to join the Yardbirds. So... They, he suggested, because he was friends with Jeff Beck, he suggested Jeff Beck to the band. And uh, he joined, and they had a very successful 20-month period with Jeff in the band. The majority of the, the band's top 40 hits were with Jeff when he was in the band. Uh, after Jeff left, you had Jimmy Page. They weren't as commercial. 
they still had some great music, but they just they didn't sell as much anymore. But with Beck was when they had that that top forty hits. Uh, they recorded one full album. Okay, it was called Roger the Engineer when Jeff was in yep. the band. Uh, came out in nineteen sixty six. Now in May of sixty six, Jimmy Page joined the Yardbirds as well. So you had you had Page and Beck. You know this this guitar attack. Yeah in the band at the same time. Uh, you want to see a good video of it, check out the uh, Michelangelo Antonioni uh, movie Blow Up. Okay. okay. Uh, there's a scene in there where you see the Yardbirds when, you, when they have Beck and, and, and Paige in the band and they're doing the song Strolling On. I mean, it's just badass. Uh, it's just really cool. Uh, Beck in 67 would get fired from the Yardbirds. All right. And basically, it was over, like, sometimes not showing up to gigs. Uh, his perfectionism, um, his tempo was tough to deal with. They just, and it was on the American tour that they did it to him. Okay. Um, he bounced right back, though, and recorded two solo singles for pop producer Mickey Most. Uh, the tracks were High Ho, Silver Lining, and Tally Man which featured him on vocals, which you didn't hear too much before, uh, as well as obviously playing guitar. Uh, now, in 67, he started the Jeff Beck group. Yep. And this is pretty much my favorite stuff from him. Uh, it included Rod Stewart on vocals, Ronnie Wood, that, that Ronnie Wood, on bass guitar, Nicky Hopkins on piano and Ainsley Dunbar on drums. Uh, later, Ainsley would be replaced by Mickey Waller when they were going to record the Truth yeah. album. Um, they released two albums. The first was called Truth. Uh, it was on Columbia Records and, in the UK and it was on Epic in the United States. Um, that came out in August 68, Truth. And the second was called Beckola and it was released. July 1969. <laughs> now, Truth had the track You Shook Me on it, and it was a song written first and recorded by Muddy Waters. Um, but Truth came out five months before the Led Zeppelin debut album, which also featured the same uh -oh. song, You Shook Me. But they did it differently. It's a different kind of arrangement. Okay? But actually, the first... You know, Muddy, Muddy did it first, but then when it comes to the British blues stuff um, that would come out in the late 60s with Zeppelin and everything, Beck actually beat them to it. They, they, he did that song first. So um, the album starts off with the Yardbird song, uh, Shapes of Things, which is probably the, you know, really one of the first psychedelic songs that the British had ever done, Okay. You got the Beatles, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows. You know, there's a few there. But Shapes of Things was the first real psychedelic single hit. I think it was top 10. Um, it starts off with that song and it ends with I Ain't Superstitious. That was originally done by Willie Dixon. Uh, great version of that one. The reviews for Truth when it came out were great. Uh, Rolling Stone called it a classic, an instant classic. Uh, also, it's 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 been considered in some in some circles. It's actually considered uh, a seminal work of heavy metal. Uh, heavy metal in the sense of like 
Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath coming out in 69 like that. Um, it, was a, it was a heavy, hard rock approach that had, you know, elements of blues in it. It was, it was really a new kind of music, uh, a hard rock. There really was nothing like that at the time. Uh, you had your pop, you had your R&B, which was, you know, the Stones, early Stones, Yardbird sound. But when it came to what he did after that, it was really heavy. And it, it, it really complemented Rod Stewart's vocal style, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's instrumentals on this album as well, but Rod does sing, you know, all the lead vocals. Um, and, it, you know, it just sounds great. I don't, you know, Beck and Stewart together is just like, you know, for them, it's like oil and water. They don't really get along that good. But, you know, for the fans, it's just classic. You yeah. know, and it's, now, that group was kind of a weird super group, like the Yard Words, too, where you got Rod Stewart, stuff like that singing. Well, Rod Stewart was not known at that no, time. No, I'm saying, okay, but look he, like at the Yard Bird, everybody started, everybody, even with Jeff Beck, think about it, yeah. they just became famous. Cause, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, they did. They did. They did. Um, you know, and Nicky Hopkins on piano. I mean, he was playing with everybody. He was playing with the Stones. Ronnie Wood was playing bass in that band, and he's normally a guitar player. Okay, he was playing bass guitar in that band. Uh, and that's how he got involved with the Faces right after that. Uh, Rod Stewart was in that band. That morphed into that. Um, it's interesting. These, these bands all you know traded members back and forth, and they all were great. You know, um, one track that stands out is the instrumental Beck's Bolero. Um, it, it featured Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones and Keith Moon. Now, Moon from The Who, they couldn't put his name on the credits on the album for contractual reasons. So they actually it said Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones and you know who. That's what it said on the That's record. That's pretty funny. Now, it is funny. Now, the, the, the second album was called Beck Oler, and that came out in July of 69. Um, they replaced uh, drummer Mickey Walla with Tony Newman. He was brought in to play drums. Uh, the critics loved this album, but it didn't do as well commercially compared to Truth, okay? Uh, even though it's got some, like, you know, some covers on it. There's actually two Elvis covers, interestingly enough. On, uh, on this. They do All Shook Up and Jailhouse Rock and it's like heavy. Okay, how they do it. Um, the band would fall apart though at this point uh, pretty much after the release of this album. Uh, resentments had built up. Rod Stewart and Beck didn't get along too well. Uh, there were some incidents that happened during touring. Um, kind of just legendary rock and roll drama. You know, but it just, you know, the fact that the album didn't do too good, I think Beck wanted to change gears. Um, as a side note, it's got to be mentioned that in 1967, Nick Mason uh, of Pink Floyd was going to ask Jeff Beck to join Pink yeah. Floyd after Sid, after Sid Barrett Yeah, left. they were terrified okay. to ask him. <laughs> But they were they were too scared to ask him. That's the you know he had this like reputation as kind of like a madman, you know. So they they really were like you know too intimidated to ask him. Um, also in '69, when the when when uh, the Stones 
fired Brian Jones, Beck was considered to, to replace him. Uh, instead, they got Mick Taylor, which, you know, they went on to make some great albums with him. I don't, you know, I, I thought about that, and I can't see Beck in the start. Nah, the seats. No. Too, too many egos right there. I don't think, you know, um, remember we were talking about Steve Marriott and how he was going to join the Stones when Mick Taylor yeah. left. Okay. And supposedly he tried out and did this like whole solo thing and he started singing and stuff. I could see Beck doing something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just he would upstage Mick Jagger, which you can't do in the Stones. And then okay. we just talk about. Now, right, see you later. He day. might upstage Keith Richards. You know, you, you can't you can't do that. Uh, after the breakup of the Jeff Beck group, he, he took part in something called the Music from Free Creek, which was like this super session project of a bunch of people. Now he used the name A N Other. Okay, he didn't use his yeah. name, and he contributed lead guitar on four songs, including. One co-written by him. Um, other people who played on this album was Eric Clapton, Dr. John, Todd Rundgren, Keith Emerson, Linda Ronstadt. A bunch of people were on this. And it was kind of like a, a jam session. That, that's um, I was actually checked. Actually, um, I had never listened to it before. And I checked it out last night. And it's got some like interesting things. Like there's an Eric Clapton section to it where he's you know it lists like the people playing with him and then there's different people singing and you know it's 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 pretty cool how it was put together um at the end of the summer of 69 he teamed up with uh vanilla fudge's rhythm section uh that was bass player tim bogert who just recently died uh and drummer carmine apiece um the guys from vanilla fudge were in england to resolve some kind of contract issues they had. And a plan was put in place to kind of like jam, okay, with Beck. Uh, However, in December of 69, uh, he got into a very bad car accident and Beck suffered a a fractured skull. So they had to shelve the plans. It was actually, the, the plans would be shelved for three years. Uh, Bogart and a piece would actually start the band Cactus in the meantime uh, while he recovered. Now, in 70, after a long recovery, Jeff set about forming a band with drummer uh, Cozy Powell um, and producer Mickey Most was brought in. Uh, Beck, Powell and Most flew to the U.S. and they recorded several tracks at Motown's famous Studio A. In, in Hitsville, USA, in Detroit, the uh, w- w- with the Funk Brothers, right now, think about that. Okay, uh, the Funk Brothers was was Motown's studio yeah. band. Okay, the house band that every all the music that you heard, whether it was Sm- uh, Smokey Robinson, uh, Marvin Gaye, uh, the Supremes, the Temptations, all used the Funk Brothers. So so Beck was going to jam with them, and they actually recorded. Some stuff, but for some reason, it's never been released, and I've never heard it, and I could only imagine what it sounds like. And I guess it wasn't released because Beck probably felt it wasn't good enough. I don't, I don't know. I have no, no idea why that happened. But in April of '71, now a new Jeff Beck group was formed. Okay, totally different than the first one. 
they he brought in guitarist singer Bobby Tench, keyboard player Max Middleton, and bassist Clive Chamin. Uh, the new group was very different. Okay, it had more elements of soul and R and B and even jazz. Um, the album was called Rough and Ready. That was the first album they recorded, and it was released in October of '71. Uh, seven songs were on this album, including uh, "Got the Feeling" and "Situation." I've been used. Uh, six songs were written by Beck, and one called "Max's Tune." was written by Max Middleton. Uh, the album did modestly well. A second album came out, and it, uh, it was going to be recorded at the TMI Studios in yep. Memphis with the, with the same lineup. Now, Beck employed Stax guy Steve Cropper that we mentioned before to produce this. Uh, there's nine songs on this album, and each has a very strong soul influence, including a version of Stevie Wonder's I Got to Have yep. a Song. Uh, he was a big Stevie Wonder fan, Jeff Beck. Uh, shortly, uh, shortly after this release, Beck broke up the band to begin collaborating again with Bogart, uh, Bogart and a piece. Um, Cactus had fallen apart, so they were, they were ready to jam again. Uh, there were some contractual problems, though, when he did this uh, related to touring, and even though Bogart and Apice were playing with Beck, they had to be called the Jeff Beck Group yeah. for a little while. Okay. Uh, what they did is they actually brought in Max Middleton and vocalist Kim Milford joined the lineup. And after six shows, Bobby Tench came back. Uh, Kim Milford left. And um, th- there was a, a show at the, uh, at the uh, Ari Crown Theater in Chicago. Uh, that they would potentially be brought back to, and then he would continue the rest of the tour that ended yep. in Seattle. Um, it was at that point that Tench and Middleton left the band for good, um, and then they had left the power trio of Beck, Bogart, and Apice. Uh, drummer Carmine Apice became the lead singer. Okay, so you had a, you know, just pitch it at this power trio. You got Beck yep. on guitar. You got Bogart on bass, a piece dead in the middle on stage singing while he's playing drums. Okay. Very rare kind of thing in rock and roll. You don't see too many drummers being no. a lead singer. Um, occasionally Beck and Bogart would put in a vocal here and there, but it was mostly a piece doing the, the singing. Um, <clears throat> in April of 1973, the album Beck, Bogart, and a piece was released on Epic Records. The critics enjoyed it. Uh, They enjoyed the musicianship of these guys, but commercially, the album didn't do too good, okay? Except for its cover of Stevie Wonder's hit, Superstition. That was a moderate hit off that album, but it didn't sell a lot of records. Um, One thing I wanted to mention with this band is, with with, uh, Beck Bogart and a piece, is he brought something... Uh, into the mainstream called a talk box. You know what a talk box is? A talk box is, uh, it was made most famous by Peter Frampton. It's that thing that the guitar players, you talk into it, blow into it, and it, it, you know, it creates like a sound and you could play the guitar through it. Uh, It's a long tube that goes down into the guitar and 
you know, electronically, it, 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 you could you could play it while you're talking, and it's it's interesting. Uh, I'm not a fan of it actually, but I don't really like the sound of it. But but uh, it was very popular, and and Beck actually was one of the first guys to really really use it in a big way. Um, July third, nineteen seventy three, Beck joined David Bowie on stage, and they performed the Gene Genie. Love Me Do from the Beatles, Around and Round by Chuck Berry Medley. Uh, the show was recorded and filmed, but Beck's material was never used. Now, that's the Ziggy Stardust movie, I believe. Okay. Uh, I think that's the only film that Bowie was doing in 73. And that's the show at the Hammersmith Odeon in London. Uh, I've always heard that there were things cut out of that. Uh, I didn't know that Beck actually was part of that. Um, in early January of 74, Beck Bogart in a piece played at the Rainbow Theater in London as part of uh, a European tour they were on. The show was broadcast in full on the American show Rock Around the World uh, in September, okay, later on in the year. Um, the live material from this show was meant to be for uh, a new studio album, okay, the songs they were doing. Uh, two tracks, uh, Blues Deluxe and uh, BBA Boogie from this concert were later included on the Jeff Beck compilation Beckology, released in 1991. Uh, but Beck Bogart and a piece would break up while recording their second studio album. They actually brought in producer Jimmy Miller, who did a lot of work with the Stones, uh, to come in and do this album. It all kind of fell apart in the studio. It's, it's amazing how many times they got together, break up, separated, get together, break up. Break yeah. yeah. I, I, he he was very, uh, you know, I, I think he just had his way. And if you didn't follow it, you know, you were gone. You know, he was he was the star, Jeff. You know, was you know? another amazing thing about him, how, like, he always had pretty good, like, even if they weren't very, um, even if they didn't sell a lot, he still had very good, um, like the um, critics loved him. Yeah, uh, because musically, yeah. he's amazing. Yeah, so loved the music, okay. but it and, wasn't selling, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, in those days, and we've talked about this many times, you could do that, okay? You could, you could build on your, you know, your inventory of music. Okay, you could build on it. You can make an album two or three in a row that kind of bomb and, and the record company would stay with you. Okay, because they they trusted your talent. It's not like that today. Okay, now it's if you don't make, make them a million right away, they drop you. Okay. Which is sad because it, it it just takes away from the quality. That's why everything sucks today. Yeah, because people just it's so fucking funny how you hear something today that within a few days it's like gone because it didn't sell. It just doesn't move. It's amazing. Yeah, and it could be a big yeah. artist too. It doesn't even have to be just some no name. Okay, if a big guy today, you know, like you ever hear from like Kelly Clarkson no. anymore? She does the talk show now. Huh. That's what yeah. she does, right? I don't know, but maybe that wasn't a good example. But like you know, all people that were huge. Just yeah, go on, on. you know, what whatever, to this you know, exactly. You know, um, in October of 74, after a brief collaboration with a jazz fusion group called Up 
Uh, Jeff began to record some instrumentals at AIR Studios with keyboardist Max Middleton. He brought him back. Bass player Phil Chem and drummer Richard Bailey. They had George Martin, famous Beatles producer uh, and arranger, come in. And it was Jeff Beck's solo album, Blow by Blow. And it came out in March of 75. Um, These kind of evolved from those sessions that they had. Uh, It was a show. uh, (coughs) It basically showcased, this album showcased Beck's technical ability in jazz. Okay. Uh, He was a big fan of jazz. Is a big fan. Okay. Uh, And in 75, that was kind of a bold move. Okay, uh, he was listening to things like Thelonious Monk, Miles yeah. Davis, stuff like that um, from the 60s. And he was one of the only guys really listening to that stuff. Uh, Eric Clapton a little bit, I think, was into it. Uh, some other guys, but not to go out and actually start playing, you know, jazz fusion kind of stuff. Um, but this album, Blow by Blow, did very well. It got to number four wow. in the charts. And to this day, it's still his most commercially successful. Mike, let album. me ask you a rumor about uh, that record. He he recorded supposedly he called George Martin and said he wanted to record re-record something. The guy said, "No, it's in the shops already. You can't freaking re-record something." Right, right, right. I was I was actually going to oh, tell yeah. that story. Uh, yeah, yeah. What what Crazy. happened is he was when he was making Blow by Blow, uh, he would just go back into the studio every day and overdub his solos and he wasn't satisfied uh he felt the mix wasn't good he would go back in and dilly dally with things and try to fix it uh it became kind of a joke actually between him and martin and one day he wanted to go back to the studio and do another overdub and martin said you can't the song's in the the album's in the, in the fucking shops yeah. now. <laughs> we just released it. You can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, uh, that shows, you know, how much of a perfectionist he is. Uh, now, riding high on some of this commercial success, uh, he put a live band together for a U.S. tour. Uh, he toured through April and May of 75, mostly in support of the Mahavishnu Orchestra. Okay. Uh, his band consisted of Max Middleton mm-hmm. on keyboards, but a new rhythm section, uh, bass player William Bascombe and famous sessions drummer Bernard Pretty Purdy. They called him Pretty Purdy. Uh, he would return to the studio uh, for a new album called Wired in 76, which paired him up with ex-Mahavishnu Orchestra drummer and composer Narada Michael Walden, okay, and he would collaborate with him in future years as well. Uh, keyboardist Jan Hammer, okay, I'm sure you yep. know that name. Uh, what famous theme song did Jan Hammer do? Oh, Jesus, you know it. You, you I know, know once you tell me, I'm gonna be like singing it. The Miami Vice theme, no, what do 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 do, was it a Miami Vice theme? Yeah. Um, Jan um, Hammer. Jan Hammer was did the Miami for Vice team. For some reason, I was told that Miami Vice team was um, 
What's uh, what's McCauley in the air tonight? No, that's well. You think it's Phil Collins? Yeah, that song was that song was featured in the first episode of Miami Vice. But the 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 theme to Miami Vice, you know, yeah. in the beginning when they're when they're on the boats and you see all the shit happening, that 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 you know, that was Jan Hammer a couple a few years later. It's pretty funny, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he start he was a jazz. He was a German guy. He's a he's a he's a jazz. Yeah, musician with a name like that. And yeah, right, right, right. Um, so he put he put this band together with Jan Hammer and Walden. Um, and the album basically the album Wired was a jazz rock album in that style, uh, kind of similar to what Hammer and Walden were doing on their own. Um, to promote the album, Beth joined forces with the Jan Hammer group. And he played a live show supporting Alvin Lee at the Roundhouse in May of 76 before embarking on a seven-month world tour. Now, this resulted in the live album called Jeff Beck with the Jan Hammer Group. And that came out in 77. Uh, Beck's got a lot of live yeah, he got, he's like, he, uh, he got like yeah. so much stuff that to buy that, just to buy something with him, it's like, holy shit, man, what the hell? Yeah. It's a lot to choose from, and, and you don't, you know, you got to know a little bit about Jeff Beck before you dive yeah. in, you know, so you know what you're getting. Um, at this point in 1977, uh, Beck was actually a tax exile from the UK. Okay, he had been living a few years in the states, um, but in the autumn of '77, he would return back to the UK uh, to live. And in November of '78, with X returned to forever bass player Stanley Clark, uh, keyboardist Tony Hymas, and Simon Phillips of Jack Bruce's band, Jack Bruce and Cream, on drums. He toured Japan with those guys. Uh, after he's very big in Japan. Now, after returning, he went into the Who's Rampart Studios in London, and continued recording sporadically through 1979. Uh, the result would be an album called There yeah. and Back, and released in June of 1980. It featured three tracks composed and recorded with Jan Hammer. Uh, five tracks were written by Tony Hymas. Clark would be replaced by a guy named Mo Foster on bass for the album, and he would continue on with some subsequent tours going forward. Yeah, you know, uh, after, Beck, he always, also, he always surrounded himself with very good other musicians, if you notice. Yes, he always had great people He always great had great like, people. Like, you might not, you not know the name, but if he's playing with Beck, you know the guy's a good musician. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's one, you know, despite his reputation of being difficult to work with, Everybody yeah, wants to work. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you're really riding the coattails of that guy. I mean, just to say that's on your resume, I played with Jeff Beck. You know, it's amazing. Um, in 81, Beck made a series of historic live performances with his Yardbirds predecessor, Eric mm -hmm. Clapton. Now, I remember this very well, okay? Uh, it was something called um, The Secret Policeman's Other Ball. And it was Amnesty International that put this together. It was a bunch of benefit concerts. Um, he appeared with Clapton on the tracks Crossroads, Further On Up the Road, 
and his own arrangement he did of Stevie Wonder's Cause We've Ended Up As Lovers. Uh, I'm sorry, Cause We've Ended As Lovers. Uh, Beck was also prominently featured in an all-star band finale for that. Uh, they do a, it's Eric Clapton, Sting, Phil Collins, Donovan, and Bob Geldof do a performance of I Shall Be Released. Now, it was, this was a very successful uh, set of shows, and it actually ended up being a yes, film. A okay? It was a yeah. concert movie, right. It came out in 1982. Yeah. And the reason I remember this is, is MTV used to play yeah. clips from this as videos. Do you remember that? Imagine that radio. MTV used to play clips of all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, I remember Eric Clapton being featured a lot. Uh, Beck, I remember Sting being featured. Uh, it was just something. Amnesty International in the 80s were, you know, they were huge. They were doing oh, yeah. a lot of these benefit like, things. Geldof got involved with Live Aid. With yeah, them. they were very they were very well known. And that, that's another thing. They just dropped out. Are they even still around? Yes. Yes, they are. But it's, you know, the world's different now. You don't have to have these big benefit shows anymore. They're hard to put together. And there's a lot of overhead. Even though nobody's getting paid, really, you still got to pay people to put it together. Okay? Um, Also, if you look into a lot of the history of some of these shows, Live Aid was not a big success. Uh, a lot of the money never got to where it was supposed to go. A lot of time they ran out of money. That's the problem. Yeah, and then also, I mean, if you remember, Live Aid was the for, uh, uh, well, World Hunger oh, yeah. for Ethiopia, right? Okay. Well, you know, at that time, Ethiopia was in a civil war. So you were pumping money in. You know who took that shit? Just yeah. the fucking army. You know what I mean? They They took... Whatever food and stuff, they just snatched it up. But some stuff did get to where it was going. It wasn't a complete failure. Um, but there was, you know, in the 80s, there was a lot of other kind of benefits things. There was something called the Arms Concert, and that was for multiple yep. sclerosis that Jeff Beck got involved with. Um, he played with Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page in this long jam. Uh, they did a version of Layla. They did a version of a song called Tulsa Time. Uh that's also been filmed as well. Um, in 85, Jeff released the album Flash. Okay. And uh, this is another thing. I, I, I very much remember when this came out. Um, he featured a variety of vocalists on this album. But the main thing that I remember is, is this was his reunion with Rod Stewart. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they hadn't done anything in many, many years, not since the Jeff Beck group in the 60s. Uh, and they did a cover of Curtis Mayfield's People yep. Get Ready. Okay, great song. And we're going to be doing a show uh, not too, in the not-too-distant future on Curtis Mayfield. I'm preparing that. I'm, there's a book yeah, I'm Curtis reading Curtis Mayfield's right huge, now. man. That guy was huge. Yes, he was. Uh, huge yeah, and very great, talented. Great singer. Um, yeah. The song uh, People Get Ready uh, and its video was actually a big MTV hit. Uh, it was in heavy rotation most of that year in 1985. Uh, the reunion of these two guys resulted in a short tour with a few dates, but 
a larger tour didn't materialize. I think, uh, you know, their old feuds and stuff got got back, yeah, <laughs> started up. Once again, you, you know? get that, you're not coming. It's hard to get back <laughs> together. Even. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But, you know, when you see that, I, I always like the video. And I, I sent it to you last yeah. night to take a look at it. I always like that video because there's like, it's just, it's, yeah. it's corny. Okay. But it's just like, you, you see them like sending letters to each other. And then Beck shows up on the train and they give each other a hug. They hadn't seen each other. I was kind of like, wow, I wonder if they really like, you know, felt like they hadn't seen each other in so long. They had to give each other a hug, you know, but, but it's, you know, it, I always liked that version of it. And, uh, I actually like Rod Stewart. Um, you know, some of his music sucks. Okay, but but I always liked his voice. I think he's he's yeah, just he got, got a great that voice. Nice scratch, that guy, that voice. Yeah, that rough that rough voice, raspy voice. Uh and you know, he still has it. He still he still has it, despite all the coke that went up his nose. I mean, it's amazing that he still has that voice. Great voice. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Now in eighty nine he he had taken a four year break after that uh, Flash album. Um, he made a new album of instrumentals called Jeff Beck's Guitar Shop. Now this was the first album to feature Beck using that finger style guitar playing, finger picking. Okay, like I mentioned earlier, uh, and not using a flat pick that he always used as a guitar player. Uh, it was only his third album to be released in the 80s. The main reason for this is that he battled for many years with tinnitus. And tinnitus is when you have yeah. that ringing in your ears. And a lot of musicians get this. Uh, back in the day, guys, you know, were right on top of the martial amps and they didn't wear, you know, any protection in their ears. No, uh, earbuds, you know, or anything, you know, uh, earplugs, I should say. Um, Pete Townsend from The Who has it very badly. Um, you know, uh, Brian Johnson from ACDC yeah. uh, al almost lost his hearing for similar reasons. Um, you know, these guys just didn't protect themselves. People do it now. You see musicians with, you know, earbuds in their ears yeah. and everything like that. Uh I hate the way that looks, but I guess in the long run, it's, you know, it's good. Okay. Um, in the nineties, however, he had a, with motorhead, uh, how fucking ringing they must. <laughs> shit. Let me tell you something. I never saw an, uh, an ear plug in. Let me see it. Okay. I, I, I don't know how he didn't go deaf. Motorhead is the loudest band I had ever seen. And I've seen, I saw them probably about <laughs> 10 times. And, uh, I would be deaf for two days after the, after a Motorhead show. You'd have that ringing, you know. I remember one time I saw them at uh, at Lamore's in Brooklyn. Uh, had to be it was kind of had to be in the nineties. Had to be like maybe like mid to late nineties. Um, and uh, I remember I was I was checking out. You know, you know my buddy Keith. He's been on the show. Okay, uh, he had a little band for a little while. And I was checking out his band. I had to leave early to go see Motorhead yeah. at Lemoore's. And I was deaf for two days because I was really close to the stage. And, uh, God. But, yeah, I mean, tonight is no joke. And, and Beck has it. 
Um, they've made great strides in, in treating that and curing it. Uh, I don't think they could really cure it, but they, they, they could control it with medication. Um, in the 90s, he started to put out a little bit more music again. Uh, he played on John Bon Jovi's debut solo album called Blaze of Glory. Yeah, I remember that. Very good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was also uh, that the song was the theme to yeah. Young Guns 2. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, he also contributed to the score for the film Days of Thunder. The Tom Cruise the and, car one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the music yeah. that you hear throughout the movie is, is Jeff Beck wow. on guitar. Um, he played on lead guitar on Roger Waters' album from 1992 called Amused to Death. It was a concept album that Waters put out. Beck played the lead. Uh, he also contributed to Kate Bush's album The Red Shoes in 1993 and Beverly Craven's Love Scenes. Her album came out in 1993 as well. Uh, in 92, he recorded the instrumental soundtrack album for the film Frankie's House. I believe that's a movie about Vietnam uh, that was made in Australia. It's, it's supposedly very good. Um, also for uh, Crazy Legs in 1993, that was a tribute album to Gene Vincent. Okay, and we, we know that he was yeah. a big fan growing up of Gene Vincent. Uh, Beck also rehearsed with Guns N' Roses. I thought this was very interesting. Um, they they were going to be playing in Paris in 1992. And before the to get ready for the for the shows in Paris, they were doing some rehearsing, and he was supposed to play with them. He actually was rehearsing, and drummer Matt Sorum dropped a cymbal right next to him, and it triggered off his tinnitus, and he actually became temporarily oh, deaf. Shit. Yeah, and he couldn't do the show. That's fucking crazy! Just by dropping a cymbal, that's pretty. Well, yeah, I mean, and you know, that's how that works, okay? If you remember yeah. Brian Johnson from ACDC, they told him if you play again, you know, in a, a live show, you're going to go deaf one, one, one time. You would go deaf for, forever. So he had to stop. And then uh, who, who took Axel over? Rose. Uh, Axel yeah. Rose, right? Was, yeah, was doing some shows. And I heard he. I heard you know he what? Everybody job. says that. I couldn't see. I I, I couldn't see uh, Axel Rose, ACDC, but everybody said he did a good job. I could see it. I could see it. It, it. You know, he's got the vocal range. I think to do it. Um, but you know, it's Axel Rose. You know, he's just you know not dependable. But but he actually did a yeah, good job. Yeah, everybody would say he that. did a very good job. Like nobody knocked him. Everybody say he did a good job. It just when you first heard it, it made no sense, you know, like what? Yeah. Well, that's hard to yeah, fill you're those thinking, like, What? <laughs> yeah, how's that gonna work? Yeah, exactly. Um, also in nineteen ninety two, I thought this was hilarious, uh the Yardbirds got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Beck went up on stage. Now sadly Keith Ralph, the singer, was already dead at that point. Uh remember he had yeah. been electrocuted. Yeah. Um so was the remaining members of the of the Yardbirds, um, and Beck made a speech, and he says, "Someone told me I should be proud tonight, but I'm not, because they kicked me out. <laughs> they did." He says, "Fuck them." <laughs> <laughs> but everybody, you know, it was a joke. He wasn't like 
being a dick. He just was like making a joke about it. Now, he would accompany Paul Rogers from Bad Company on the album Muddy Water yep. Blues, which was a tribute to Muddy Waters in 1993. Uh, it would be another six years in 1999 uh, when he released the guitar electronica kind of album called Who Else? Um, the album marked a new collaboration with this female guitar player named Jennifer yep. Batten. And it was the first time he really worked with another guitarist on his own material since playing with the Yardbirds. If you think about his lineups, he never had another Not guitar until this one. Not until this, this girl. Okay. And she would be on, I believe, uh, two albums with him. Um, they did a world tour. Okay. Um, and uh, the next album was called You Had It Coming. And that was in 2001. Now, Beck would get his third Grammy Award that year. And his, this one was for the best rock instrumental performance for the song Dirty Mind on the album yep. You Had It Coming. He's won eight Grammys all together. Yeah, Again, he's a guy that's very well he's very well decorated. The problem is it doesn't always bring commercial success. Yeah, and, and that's you know, it shouldn't matter when it comes to the Grammys. Yeah. Okay. Uh the Grammys are very commercialized. Uh it might as well be, you know, whoever sells the most gets a Grammy these days. But the fact that they've given Jeff Beck these Grammys, they he, you know, He's got their respect because that's kind of like against what they do now. You know, that's actually an example of them doing the right thing. Okay. Because he's very talented. Doesn't sell a whole lot of records anymore, but very talented. Now, in, he would win his fourth Grammy for the song called Plan yeah, that's B. 2003, from, right? Right, right. And that was off the album just yeah. titled Jeff. Um, it was for best rock instrumental again. He's won most of them have been for that because it's mostly instrumentals. Uh, back, uh, Beck opened up for BB King that year in the summer of 2003, and he also appeared at Eric Clapton's Crossroads Guitar Festival in 2004. Um, it's there that he it, well, not I'm sorry, it's not there, but that same year uh, he also contributed to the Toots and the Maytals album True Love. Uh, that's a good album. Um, I'm a big fan of Toots and the Maytals. Toots just died back in 2020 of COVID. Um, we lost him. I think he was about 74. Um, me, my wife, Sandy and Fayo, our good friend Fayo from the international bar, uh, went to go see Toots last year before COVID. I guess it was like late 2019. And, uh, that album, True Love is like a, 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 a redoing of his earlier, like re-recording of his early reggae hits from the late sixties, early seventies. And uh, it, it's worth a listen because there's a lot of like all-star people playing on it and everything. And Beck does a cover of uh, with, with Toots singing. He plays guitar on the song 5446 was my number, which was Toots number when he was in prison. That was the number on his, yeah, yeah, his prison number. Um, now, in 2007, Beck appeared with Kelly Clarkson on her cover of Patty Griffin's Up to the Mountain. Uh, that was during an American Idol episode called Idol yeah. Gives Back. 
Yeah, Jeff Beck was on stage on that show. Uh, in 2009, Beck announced a world tour again, which featured a recorded show at Ronnie Scott's in London, which is a famous jazz club. Okay. Uh, he also appeared on the track Black Cloud for Morrissey's album that year called Years of Refusal. Yep. So he's playing yeah, with he's everybody. Now, um, gets around. Now, in 2009, Beck also got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a yeah. solo artist. Uh, and Jimmy Page was the one inducting him in that night. Uh, he played with Page, Ronnie Wood, Joe Perry, Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and the members of Metallica on the song Train Kept the Rolling. I remember yeah. that. I actually watched that. Um, in April of 2010, Beck released the album Emotion of Commotion. And it's an album of like originals and covers. Uh, he does a version of Over yep. the Rainbow. Okay. Uh, vocalist Josh Stone and Imelda May do some of the guest vocals. And he won another album. Grammy. I actually, yes, uh, right. And he would win a Grammy with that as well. Uh, I like Imelda May. Are you familiar really. with her at all? She does like rockabilly kind of stuff. Okay. Sort of. Okay. Uh, She's got a great voice. Uh, there's a song she did called Psycho, which is really good. Um, now, he also in 2010 collaborated with Herbie Hancock on his Imagine project, okay, with uh, Seal was on this, Pink, you know, some other big people. Of, uh, well, young who, Right. It, it had to do with, like, uh, Imagine from John Lennon, okay, uh, he began a world tour in 2010 as well with uh, Narada Michael Walden again on drums, Rhonda Smith on bass, and uh, Rason Rabello on keyboards. A live album came out of that called Live and Exclusive from the Grammy Museum was recorded on October 25th. He also recorded um, a DVD that year called Rock and Roll Party at the Iridium Theater here in New York City. Uh, it was a tribute to Les Paul, okay? And Imelda May joined him on that. Uh, when Les Paul started out playing, and remember Jeff Beck said he heard as a kid Les yeah. Paul on the radio, okay? Les Paul had a woman named Mary Ford who would do the vocals while he played the electric guitar. So Imelda May did the vocals while Jeff did the Les Paul stuff, Okay. Uh, in 2011, Beck received two honorary degrees from the British universities uh, for his outstanding contribution to the field of music. One was from uh, the University of the Arts in London, and he also got an honorary doctorate from the University of Sussex just for his contributions. Um, in 2013, it was announced that he will be performing on Beach Boys founder Brian Wilson's new solo album on Capitol Records. Uh, this was interesting. It never actually materialized. But on the 20th of June of that year, it was announced on Brian Wilson's website that the material might actually turn into three wow. albums. Okay? One album was going to be, well, you know, a three LP set, okay? And one of the, one of the albums was going to be just tr instrumental tracks with Beck, and everything now it it never happened okay he did an 18 day tour in the fall of that year with brian wilson though 
Uh, and Beck called it just an honor to even be on the stage with him. You know, uh, I don't know why it never materialized. I was trying to, to find that out in my research. Brian Wilson is a little eccentric. Yeah. Uh, we might do a show on him in the very near future as well. But it's a, uh, that, that stuff didn't awesome. come out, you know that, that that must have really good stuff. Yeah, I, I I don't know if it was ever actually recorded. I think they might have you know done some stuff in between doing some of those dates, but I don't know if they ever actually got into the studio and and really put anything down. But who knows? Maybe it'll come out someday. Um, in twenty nineteen. He began a, a a tour of Japan, and actually a three track CD came out called Yosoga. Uh, it came out on April fifth of that year. Uh, he was working on a whole album, but uh, he didn't have time to finish it, so he just re- released like this short three three song kind of EP. Okay, but before the before the tour began uh, in twenty sixteen, though he he released a full album called. Loud Hailer. Now, April 16, 2020, Beck released a new single. Okay, we mentioned this earlier, uh, which was a collaboration between him and Johnny Depp. And it was the John Lennon song, Isolation. And, you know, they announced that they will be working together. Let's hope that they do. It should be interesting. Uh, Isolation, that song was picked because of the pandemic. Uh, A lot of people are in isolation yeah, a lot of people especially like well we're getting out of it right i mean we're getting out facility, of it. hopefully you know yeah and uh that's all i got man, for you, Mr. A... Rossi. jeff beck is still out there yeah Going what a, a history shit. man what a legacy man for the years and years man think about how much he put out that's good stuff even to today it still stands yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, like I said in the beginning, he, he's a tough yeah. pill to swallow. There's a lot of music, a lot of different styles. Uh, he's, you know, generally the focus. You know, he's the guitar player, okay? He doesn't usually play with yeah. other guitar players, okay? Uh, there's exceptions, but usually he doesn't. Um, the focus is on him. When you listen to him, I mean, even if it's a song you're not crazy about, but the guitar work is just amazing. And I, I mean, I'm a big fan of obviously the Yardbirds. I'm a big fan of the first Jeff Beck group that he had with Rod Stewart. And I do like some of the other stuff. Even some of the jazz stuff is not bad. I mean, I've become more interested in jazz over the years as well. You know, but uh, he's he's definitely definitely a talent. And uh, you know, I appreciate him actually probably more now than I did years ago. You know, even some of the other stuff that I didn't know was like. Yeah, but he was definitely all over the place, man, but he definitely loved the, the jazz, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, I don't know what it is about musicians. It all ends up, they all end up liking jazz at some point. <laughs> I it just becomes like, I think because jazz is very, I mean, it's very difficult to play. It really, it's really kind of like, you know, especially like freeform jazz and stuff. It's just not, it, you know, it's not three chords, man. You got to know what you're doing. It's amazing. So yep. thank you for yep. another exciting episode. This is 113 episode. We've done some far. 
Right, um, right, right. And we've been doing well. We've been doing yeah, well on the charts again. Yeah. You got to mention that. No, especially in Sweden. We got to give a big shout out. Japan, Switzerland, New yep. Zealand, and the, even the UK. We're doing good in everywhere so far. In the US, we even reach, um, what was the highest? Uh, 133, yeah. I think, on Apple yeah. Podcast charts. So, you know, hey, if we crack the top 100 soon, We'll be up there with some, you know, some big yeah. podcasts. So I want to thank all the fans. I mean, we're just two guys talking shit, talking music, uh, the conspiracy shows, talking that stuff, doing our interviews. But uh, and you and you and Freak yeah. John doing your thing. You got that wrestling, talking yeah. wrestling now, right? You got your Let's Dig yeah, cooking the- show. So the whole, the whole, the whole lumped up universe is really taken off and I, I want to thank all the fans especially our fans that have really been with us since the beginning you know guy guys in the bar and stuff and you know love you know them what's all. funny the, the, I, I, I don't say this though but the day the day in is pretty much exclusive just for the uh, YouTube channel right you did put it so just on the YouTube I right I can't right, figure right. out how to talk about food and just put out a podcast <laughs> and then the talking wrestling is just me going back into history and talking about a match that happened. So yeah, show. yeah. Well, there's an audience for that, man. I mean, a lot of people you know like what? talking about And I'm surprised so far I did two, three of them, and they, they got a, a thousand uh, followers. So there's some, yeah. Well, it's probably old school yeah. guys that just like remember 605 wrestling on TVS that was forever into like. Right, two thousand. They stopped doing it. Right, right, right. Who do we got coming up next week, Rob? We got a couple of good shows. I think is it the Jesus and Mary week, Chain. Yeah, I think it is Jesus and Mary Chain. Hold on, let me look at my. And maybe Credence yeah, right on. after I'll, that. I'll give you a list of the schedule right now. I got. Um, yeah, read off the next I few weeks. Right here. I was looking at it before, because I was seeing what number this was. You know, because we did one twelve, but what? Yeah. We pretty much did two episodes back to back today. Yeah. Which is yeah. good, you know. Yeah. Uh okay, so we got um we got the Jesus and Mary Chain, we got our uh, Credence, and then uh we got Class. Crash. No, Crash, Crash, the punk rock band Crash. Yeah, it's gonna be a big show. Curtis May Mayfield. Mm-hmm. The history of all music. Yeah. Of oi music. Yes. Yes. And we yeah. mentioned Fayo before. Might bring him in on that because he, he's a big oi guy. Uh, oi being yeah. working class punk rock. We're going to talk about that whole history. That has an interesting history. Yeah. So we got some great Dude. shows lined up, man. The animals. The, the animals. animals. Dude, even going, going all the way to wait. We got the, we got the schedule all the way to June. <laughs> Wow! Wow! Well, half the year, man. I got to figure out the other <laughs> yeah. half. If anybody want, anybody has some suggestions, we let me like, know. It, check this out: July twenty sixth, we got Jeff Lynn and Roy Woods, the Moves, the Winter. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna right. We're gonna talk about the uh, Jeff Lynn, who who was in ELO, and 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 Roy Wood, who was. With Jeff Lynn in a band called The Move in England, there's a really interesting history. A lot of people don't know about it. 
with these two bands. Uh, Wizard came out of the move, but first there was ELO when they went on to have some smash hits, especially in the seventies. Uh, that's going to be an just, interesting. Look show. at what, look at Jews uh, rock show. Phil Spector, Mataputo, Muddy. Oh my God, Mata Hoople. Research yep. coming up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like that's all I do, yeah. but it's, it's a label so of people, love. Mike, how can we get in touch with you if we have to? Okay. I'm all over the place. I'm on Instagram, RockerMike212. You can find me on Parlor under RockerMike. You can find me on MeWe under RockerMike. You can find me on CloudHub under RockerMike. You can find me on Facebook uh, under Michael Baker. And then, of course, we have the rock show podcast group page that me and you do on facebook check that out join up yeah it's definitely join up and me you can find me um you can drop me an email at uh, rob rossi at gettylumpedup.com you can get me on instagram facebook twitter <laughs> and any other uh, platform that you know we're pretty much on and if you uh, don't know where we are just go to uh, google and look getting lumped up and i like to um uh, thank our heart radio for picking up all our shows. Yeah, they only had yeah. like a few, they, right? They put them all up. All, all the 300 shows. shows. It's amazing. We got, can you believe we got 350 shows? Uh, you, you told me that, and I went like, holy yeah. shit. I can't believe it. So if you guys want to show us some love, uh, go on our heart radio and hit us there to uh, listen to the show. Also, I'm yeah, yeah, we're like yeah. so many uh, multi, uh, we're, we're so many Spaces. Spotify, but Spotify is pretty much our, our bosses. So, yes, you know, they have the podcast, it's the, kind of um, like the anchor is, right. is, is bought by Spotify. So, pretty much, we are uh, right. technically we were with Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike. So remember, next week we got a big show, and like we always say, don't get drunk. Don't get drunk. The only podcast you will hear that will be music to your ears. It's only here on The Rock Show